Welcome to 40 Minutes with Fitz, a podcast for dentists by dentists. And now your host, Tom Fitzpatrick. Hi, welcome. My name's Tom Fitzpatrick. I work with uh, Dr. Todd Shacken and the Shacken First team out in Buffalo, New York. And I'd like to welcome everyone to our new podcast. We're going to be having podcasts monthly talking about the latest in mini dental implant, both technology, innovations, and just anything that's going on with mini dental implants in the in the world today. And um, we're going to have a, a, a new guest monthly, and we're excited about it. And uh, this month, we're fortunate enough to have Dr. Joseph Gillespie with us. Hey, from, good uh, morning. Hey, good morning, Joe. Good to see you, Tom. It's good to see you too, pal. He's from Charleston, South Carolina. He has a mini dental implant center of America down in Charleston, and it's a it's a beautiful part of the country. And uh, Dr. Joe was up here lecturing in our advanced mini dental implant course yesterday, and um, we had a big group, and he put on quite a presentation. I, I urge everyone to come and listen to Dr. Gillespie speak. If whatever the part of the country you're in, you can uh, you can go to our website at checkinfirst.com and see where where Dr. Joe will be. Hey, thanks for coming up to uh, Buffalo to lecture yesterday, and uh, thanks for being a big part of the company. And, oh, my uh, pleasure, my pleasure. Thank yeah. you guys so much for all your assistance, support, and help. You're the ones that make it happen behind the scenes. So, yeah, some master puppeteers behind uh, the show that make it just come off so smoothly. Nice work. We, we you know, we try hard. And we, uh, we, we, we understand that we got a great group of doctors that work with us. And uh, man, you're just part of. You just fit right into the team. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. So. What we what since this is a new podcast and we're we're just getting at it. This is our uh, this is our first one, and uh, so it'll say Joe Gillespie number one. Oh man, inaugural. We always knew you were number one. But... Oh buddy, you're so kind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna be talking to doctors, and uh, we're gonna get Joe's take on uh, what's going on in the mini dental implant world. He's got a tremendous amount of experience and knowledge to share with you. So uh, we wanted to get this across to everyone. So. Um, what I'd like to talk to you about first is how did it all begin? Where did it start, my friend? Oh man, the uh, tell me where you were born. Oh, we're going back that I'm, far. I'm going way back, oh, buddy. Boy. Not not that you're old, but well, that, that's kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a simple one. A military brat. Dad was um, in the Air Force and Air Force Dental Corps, so he was a dentist from. Day one when I was around, and um, the only good deal they ever got on me was Uncle Sam charged him 10 bucks to have me as a baby on a Navy ship. From that moment forward, inflation hit and I got expensive. <laughs> so if nothing else, I guess a dental career, my father's allowed him to, uh, to go forward with a couple sons, a couple boys. Um, so that started a pattern. We moved around a lot, um, let me see a lot of this great country, and um, probably those most formative implant years, you can't do much. Until you're, uh, until you're a teenager. So dad's a hardworking guy and said, why don't you come in the office and do some summer employment, summer job. As a high school kid, I was just doing summer sports. So you can do that in the evening, you can do that in the morning. And then, um, well, he's the past president, my father, Eddie Gillespie of Imtech Corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the company that brought mini implants and the Syndex right. mini implant to the U.S. marketplace. So, man, the good thing about that is summer employment in high school I was packing implants and hanging out at Mtech and kind of picking everybody's brains. They had a constant supply of dentists coming through, getting trained. And I have to say, probably from my memory, the two most important things early on in that time frame in implants was on the wall down the hallway in Mtech, they would 
prints and hang their catalogs. One of the first catalogs printed in English and has the different options and implant sizes and all the instrumentation and kind of got used to all that because I was packing it and we were sending off case after case to the dentists that were putting in the orders. But what got neat is the hall was this long hallway down the middle of the building and the next brochure they printed was in Spanish. So I wasn't fluent in Spanish, but I knew a lot of the words and I'd seen the English version. So um, right. it translated well to say, oh, well, guess Imtech's starting to send internationally. Um, and Dad, I think, had a vision for the company at that point that they might sell based in southern Oklahoma. They might sell to states like Texas and Missouri and Nebraska, just around in the center of the country. But it became a feather in their cap to sort of do this foreign printing. And the next one was French. It's like, oh, wow, yeah, I'm sending some of these cases off to Paris and Man. other neat little cities. So as a kid awesome. who's only been in the U.S., you start to see cities in France. You think, man, this is getting pretty big. Uh, the next one they printed was a neat one because it was Arabic. So it's almost like a Sanskrit. It's something I'd never seen before. And, I mean, we'd sent implant kits to Saudi Arabia and places that are just way off the radar. And you start to kind of have that light bulb go off your head. These mini implants are going to be big. We're having to run yeah. the machines 24-7 to make enough to keep up with these orders. And, um, and man, from a stock boy side, I guess I got to be a little overqualified because they hired some people in under me and said, well, we want you to use some of your computer savvy, some of your uh, cameras. I was playing around with cameras as a kid, and we want you to shoot a video. This is a VHS at the time, so we're going all the way back to VHS tapes. Careful, don't age yourself. Buddy. Hey, that's that's where we are. <laughs> Got to shoot straight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's the VHS tapes, um, they were going to record surgeries and make a, a video instruction on how to place implants. So um, the doctors got to do the doctor work, and the assistants are all helping the assistants, and they line up a bunch of patients. And um, they said, well, you're going to be the cameraman. So they pulled out this camera that was the neatest thing I'd ever seen, kind of fiber optic lens. It was a small little kind of handheld wand. You go right in by the mouth, but then stay away from the busyness of the procedure itself. And I guess they were kind of testing me out because the first one we did, I was 17 years old. It was just one hot summer day in Oklahoma. So we roll in and everyone gets all gowned up in the surgical gear. Um, and the patient's mouth is even covered. So all you can see is just a little hole around the mouth themselves and the face is all covered and the drapes over the whole body. And I guess privacy laws, all this stuff. Right. So um, we shoot the whole surgery. It takes about two hours. And um, when they're done, I'm packing up the camera. Last thing I want to do is drop it at the end of my first uh, video footage. Mm -hmm. And um, as the patient starts to sit up, my back's to the patient. And um, I hear a very familiar voice. And I was like, I thought I recognized that person. And I turned around because my back was to the patient and it was my grandfather. So they wanted to make sure I did a good job and that family was in the room and I didn't mess up in front of some stranger. So I think we got pretty good footage, but I turned around and I said, Granddad, and uh, he'd had the implant procedure as the patient. Wow. So the neat thing about that is he's a World War II veteran. Mm -hmm. I just always viewed him as a teenager, sort of gruff and a little bit sort of Oh, he kind of was a bit of a hermit. Uh, he didn't come out with a family a lot and always had a little bit of that demeanor of, of a, mm -hmm. I won't say a chip on his shoulder, but just never real happy. Yeah. Right. And um, man, uh, the doctor did his implants for him and our relationship changed and did a complete 180. What I found out only later, because I don't know 
until I became a dentist and started to speak with patients who struggled with edentialism and dentures that mm-hmm. didn't fit and floating dentures and adhesive is all of embarrassment behind the scenes. So he would go to church with us. He would leave church. He would uh, not come join us for meals afterwards or go to the family outings together because I guess it was uncomfort, embarrassment. Mm-hmm. He just didn't like to eat in public. Yeah. So after he had his implants done, he just joined us. He just went with us to everything. So there wasn't a family event he didn't attend. There wasn't uh, a meal. There wasn't a holiday. At one point, we didn't realize so many family members were going to come on a vacation to Florida. So they didn't have enough rooms. And at that point, I was 18, 19. Um, and they said, well, you don't mind if you're going to roommate with your grandfather. He was like 84. And we were the perfect odd couple. Yeah. I'd stay out late doing teenager stuff, <laughs> come in early in the morning, and he'd be waking up to go grab the paper, and we were never in the room at the same time. But, um, but our friendship for the twilight of his lifetime really completely changed after implants, and that changed me to say, wow, if we can help a family member like that with implants. And I was that teenager with a big head. My dad was a doc, a uh, dentist, so, oh, I'll be a medical doctor, be a dentist, something like that. Right, right. Um, but it was that moment that made me think dentistry was so much superior and uh, and a better service for people than even what I could imagine doing in the medical world. So right. my grandfather changed my opinion from becoming a medical doctor to becoming a dentist and following my dad's footsteps. That's a great story. Yeah, it's cool. That, that is really cool. Changed Boy. his life, I know it for sure, and it changed my relationship with him. So I just wanted to do implants for everybody after that. So that really, that, I mean, that really made a, a big change in your life when you Absolutely. saw that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, big time. That's, that's awesome. What a great story. When it comes to kind of family, I know the outfit here with uh, Sam Sr. and Todd, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Todd Shatkin are both, they had an opportunity as dentists to work together and right. be in the clinic together and that father and son dynamic. Uh, you have a photo of the two of them over your shoulder right there. It's, mm-hmm. it's really something you get a strong vibe from with the family here at uh, Shatkin First. Um, My family, the Gillespie's, have a very similar type of uh, experience where, I mean, I'm going to have to study all my science courses to get into dental school. And about the same time I was doing that, my father, Eddie Gillespie, uh, he was trying to get patents approved. And this is a process. I mean, for a Mm -hmm. 40-something-year-old man, you're kind of going back to school, you're doing your homework, per se, and you're working out your patents. You've seen Dr. Todd Chatkin do it behind the oh, scenes yeah. for his it's incredible. laborious process. Mm-hmm. You've got to not only have the scope of what you have on your hands as this invention, but on the other end, you've got to have the vision of what else it can be applied to. Mm-hmm. So it's the now, but it's also what's the future applications. And it makes sense when you apply for a patent, you want to try to cover all your bases, Absolutely. not let someone else, if you you made a chair that only was a bench top and someone else said, well, I'm going to put a back behind it. You kind of miss the boat with your patent on a bench instead of having a chair with something you can lean back yeah. into. It's a good analogy. So, so Dr. Shadkin did it with some of his patents on his mm-hmm. first technique. I got to sit there ne- right next to my dad studying biology and chemistry while he was studying patent law. And uh, yeah, through that process, I got into dental school and dad ended up with three international patents in implant dentistry. So... Um, so it was always one of those times where we we're kind of studying together yeah, and having those moments of kind of breakthroughs or I'd ask him a science question, he'd answer it. And he'd say, well, what's this little 
technical thing. Can you help me with drawing this for the patent or making a sketch for me? And I mean, that was all I could add to the situation as a teenager. But right. we leaned on each other a little bit mm-hmm. through that time, and it was really a cool kind of father and son family time related to implants and the yeah. business of dentistry. So, so another, it's pretty it's pretty cool that you had that strong relationship with your grandfather. That's right. And then you carry on with your father. That's and, right. I mean, that wow, what a what a great experience. Very cool. Yeah. And I mean, as a kid. There's only two places I loved uh, as far as like other than a playground or an ice cream shop. And I mean, dad had eight staff members in there and I'd walk in and they'd pinch my cheeks and dote on me as a mm-hmm. eight, seven, six-year-old kid. And then you got to go to the treasure chest. I mean, geez, you go to the <laughs> dentist every time and get a toy was sweeter than getting <laughs> to go to Walmart or somewhere. That's you didn't right. always get anything when you went to Walmart <laughs> if you acted up. That's um, right. We lived in a... And a university campus, and it was University of Arkansas where my dad practiced in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and they met at the University of Arkansas, my mother and father. Can I interrupt you a second? Please. Where did your father go to dental school? He went to school in Tennessee, in Memphis. Ten- Memphis, okay. So it was neat. I uh, I took my boards for dental school in Memphis because I wanted to practice in South Carolina, and I finished them early. So you get them passed, you get the boards done, and I'm just in Memphis. I can't leave till the next day. So they'll all go up to the history, the annals of the school, and try to find my dad's graduating class. So they had the pictures up on the walls. I find my dad. Um, I ask him if they'd make a copy of his graduating class. And it's exactly what you think of, of late 60s graduating dentists. I mean, it is, they all look the same. It's black and white pictures. I won't say scary, but sort of scary. (laughs) (laughs) And I was graduating uh, in a couple months. And we had our graduation pictures done, and they're in color, and they're computerized, and it shows the difference from the old way where they probably cut the photos out and pasted them on to Dad's pictures and then my pictures. And, man, I think um, every ethnicity, every gender, every age was in our picture, and it showed the amazing dynamic of the world today. The oldest guy in my class was graduating at, like, 47. Wow. And that was going to be starting his dental career. And I mean, the youngest was a little savant, probably 21, 22. And then everything in between from young ladies to older men, everything. uh, It was really cool. And I printed those out. And on my graduation dinner, when the whole family came, every other photo was either my graduating class or my father's as sort of the placemat, the place setting. And it was cool to see dentistry's change, kind of modernization yeah, of dentistry. Absolutely. And uh and that tie between dad and I. So he hooded me at graduation and oh, that's great. And then it was off to the races. It was uh started yeah. a private practice. And um, and where did you start that private practice? Oh, we just hung a shingle. Um it was called a dental implant center in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, right across the bridge from Charleston. Um yeah. all those travels with dad had me see enough of the country to know what I loved. And um yeah, and this little spot, Charleston, South Carolina, uh, it's a perfect mix for a dental practice. It's mm-hmm. got its heart and soul of a growing young southern city, but it's a retirement community. So um, exactly sort of a clientele that would fit a uh, dental implant practice and that need. And um, yeah, we've been there for 17 years. 17 years. Yes, sir. So um, why don't you tell everyone the story, uh, which I've heard before, but when, uh, when you wanted to really get into the mini dental implant game, Sure. What tell, tell us about what you did, what you, what your father suggested. So yeah, uh, I was a dental student at the time, and um, and the school system as it was presently, they didn't let dental students put 
dental implants in. They had specialists, and they had students that were going to be specialist trained, periodontists, so the gum surgeons got all the implants that the faculty didn't get. So it was kind of one of these, you're way on the bottom of the totem pole to try to get implant cases. And, um, and well, Dad was sort of the inside track. He knew the who's who was around, and Imtech at the time was supplying the dental implants to the University of Oklahoma College of Dentistry, where I went to dental school. And, um, and Dad said, why don't you go check out the Maxiofacial Clinic? And that's the clinic where uh, they do a lot of reconstruction. Mm-hmm. These are um, patients that have sadly had a cancer in the past and had to have some pretty significant surgery, and sometimes it's disfiguring. Yeah. So, um, man, my freshman summer of, of dental school, you, uh, you had some classes, but you had some free time. So I went to the Maxiofacial Clinic, and I walked in, and I thought they were doing like a zombie movie. I thought they had a Hollywood yeah. set going because they had – uh, prosthetic eyes, and they were doing the texture of the skin. They had um, rebuilding whole quarters of the mouth with teeth and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were using mini implants to do it. And this is place I didn't know you could even use them. I'd not seen any of the stuff in the MTech books or the texts. Right. And they were servicing patients to the point where they'd come in and maybe have a patch on their eye or something, and they'd leave, and they would have this snapped-in prosthesis of basically a full reconstruction of whatever was missing, and they looked perfect. They looked like themselves again. Yeah. And it was to say tears of joy from those patients was an understatement. They were not going to get pointed at or looked at oddly. And whenever that light bulb went off for me that, man, you can have applications with these implants almost anywhere. I've got to serve my patients and get their needs fixed along the same lines. So um, from the maxillofacial clinic and just hanging out with, really the magicians in the yeah. dental and medical world. Um, Dad said, you need to place implants in dental school. You need to find out a way that you can do it. So um, we had two different weeks that we could travel and do what they call an externship. Mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, tell you that when we looked around for the externship, you could do it in southern Oklahoma, you could do it in north Texas, you could do it in northern Oklahoma, you could do it in eastern or western Oklahoma. But Dad said, um, I've got a really nice implant partner who's down in Mexico. Why don't you spend your week down in Mexico with Dr. Ernesto Leon? Dr. Leon is probably one of the best implantologists in Latin America. So I walk in with this guy who's 63 at the time. He had two different staffs. He'd show up at 9. He'd work with his first staff till 3 o'clock at the Mexican siesta. He'd start up again at 4 or 5 and worked till 8, 9 o'clock at night with his second staff, he was a legend. And he let me place implants. So as a sophomore sophomore in dental school, I was probably the only guy in my class. I know I was, and I might have been the only person 10 years younger or 10 years older in the next 10 classes ahead of me and behind me that ever placed an implant as a sophomore. So it was cool. You got to go as a junior and have another externship. So Dad said, go back and finish your cases that you started. So I went back after six months at passed and all the implants were healed up that I'd placed and um, Dr. Leon helped me put the teeth on them or the dentures or the crowns and basically finish all the stuff I'd started and I had a beautiful training in basically a couple weeks time from beginning a case allowing the healing time to pass and finishing the case and probably one of the bigger feather in my caps for that age in my life was I got to be a surgeon very early on in my dental training and that was that was neat to do it as a 
24, 25 year old guy in dental school yeah. and kind of keep that little secret because <laughs> it might have created waves that not everybody enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's Mexico. There's no lawyers down there. It's yeah. a perfect place to learn it. And then had I had to, had to come back to the U.S. and and figure out how to do litigious dentistry. Yeah. <laughs> there are lawyers in the U.S., so let's do it the U.S. way. That's right. You had to change gears. <laughs> so we started my practice. I mean, literally um, graduated from dental school and had a U-Haul loaded up. And I had a boat we'd bought from my uncle. I just bought an old boat from my uncle and dragged it to Charleston, South Carolina. When you show up, you got to unload your U-Haul. So I didn't even have a car. I had a dental practice that I was going to get started up, and I had a boat. <laughs> and I had a the U-Haul. can't get you to work. A U-Haul I had to give back. So yeah. I just had an apartment, and it was about two blocks away. But I um, was going into the office, getting an office started up, and it was about 60% uh, conventional implants, the two-piece old style, and 40% of the minis, my dad's stuff. And that was how he started. I just stocked up, and I did both different types of implants. And right. When one was needed one place, I'd use that. And, oh, here's an easy denture case. Let me put four mini implants under under the denture. Um, well, it didn't take long <laughs> to, <laughs> to see fi- what to the figure it patients all out. enjoyed more, to see what was a more convenient service for them. Right. I mean, it comes down to three things. Get it affordable, get it to be the most minimal discomfort as you can, and get it done fast. Right. And the minis just blew Don't forget the to throw in affordable. Well, oh, I you said did. affordable you first. Did say affordable. Correct. <laughs> Do I need to say it twice? No, you, you might. four things, Fitz. <laughs> affordable, well, fast, no pain, and affordable. You can... <laughs> yeah, we so, hear it all the time. So, the yeah. writing was on the wall on that. And for me, I just have since every year increased the percentage of mini implants in my practice. And sadly, sort of, I won't say cast aside, because there's still a need for the old style implants, right. but bigger's not better in this situation. It's more in tune with the way the computers and phones are. Everything's getting smaller and everything's getting yeah. more precise. And the miniaturiz- miniaturization of the world is, uh, yeah. is imagine in the 80s what everything that's packed in your phone was about 12 different devices from tape recorder and Polaroid camera and a computer that would fill the size of a big office like this. Yeah. And now it's all in your pocket on these little smartphones, and that's it's incredible. The way, that's yeah. where the implants are. Less, let's make them uh, less complex. Yep. Let's make them smaller. They're just as strong because of the advancement in the materials. You make a titanium alloy that's much stronger yep. than uh, the old style yeah, of, of titanium. That's weaker, so you had to make it bigger back in the old days, mm-hmm. just like those computers. So the minis just made more sense to me, and we've taken that flag, and we have flown it over our head and disrupted sort of the status quo um the great thing about charleston south carolina is it's a very historical slow traditional southern city but that's maybe one of the bad things about it too. <laughs> so <laughs> it's you good bring, and bad you bring high techniques you bring advancements you bring the latest of the latest from wonderful parts of the country like california texas and new york and you are cutting edge almost threateningly cutting edge because it's almost too new so right. there's a lack of um, maybe open-mindedness mm-hmm. a little bit, just those old traditional kind of maybe Southern uh, uh, qualities that are that are touted as positives. It's not a fast-moving... Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, don't get me wrong. We have a medical community there that's yeah. wonderful. And I saw, big, uh, and I saw that big uh, uh, airplane at the airport. Yeah, that, Boeing's in town Boeing's in Charleston. In town. Yeah, it's pretty An cool. Amazing technology. So, I mean, it is... 
it's this, this double standard of there's a great historical city, but great innovation happening in town. Beautiful. And I like to think of ourselves as the innovators in dentistry in Charleston. So yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. So let me let me ask you if this is uh, correct. I, I hear the story from Doctor Doctor Shack, and he tells me that. His father sent you up to spend a little bit of time with him early, early on in your career. Correct. So the pecking order of that is hilarious. And Sam Sr. started it all. Obviously, he's a man among men and a, and a legend in, in our minds or in my mind. Absolutely. came to my wedding. Um, and to have that close tie with the family, um, I hope it continues on in um, perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did just celebrate... Todd's son, Jared's acceptance into dental school and finishing his master program. So the way the generations work is dad was certainly, and Todd on his own, and, and Sam Sr. on their own were into implants. Yes. But implants brought the Gillespie's and the Shadkins together, mm-hmm. whereas dad's selling the minis and sent a booklet over to Sam and, and Todd, and they looked it over and said, this might be for us. And then Todd had an opportunity to meet dad. I won't say who's the mentor there. I'll only say dad was older than Todd at a time by uh, about 10, 12 years. So they became faster friends. And as soon as I came up through the pipe, my dad says, you have to meet this guy. You have to go meet Todd Shatkin. And and the first time I shook his hand as a Chicago midwinter, he just has that personality, that charisma. So this is a guy I want to spend some time with and certainly learn from. So I can't say between those two who was more the mentor and who's the more, more the mentee, but the dynamic between Dr. Shadkin and I is I certainly feel blessed to have the benefit of spending time with him, not only early in his um, acceptance and adopting mm-hmm. of mini implants, but then watching him become sort of the man in the mini implant world. And uh, it's given me an opportunity just to kind of, whenever I say it to my family, I get to go up and train with the best in the country in this technique. And if I can add anything that I know in any way, then it's just a just a it's just a blessing. It's just a positive. Yeah, absolutely. So I, we've got Jared that I want to help in any way. This is yeah. Todd's son, soon to be dental student, first year. Uh, Jared Chatkin and my son Patrick Gillespie is a seven year old. Yeah, and if <laughs> I asked him, wings. if I asked him to his face, what do you do want to do when you grow up? He says, I want to be a pilot and a dentist. And I was like, Well, if you're a dentist, you can uh, afford to be a pilot. <laughs> that's that's true. Absolutely, you could do you could do a little of both. That's right. Yeah. So that's our fun. Um, you're right about that first course. Yeah. Dad said. Uh, so if you want to learn the latest in implant dentistry, and we already got a chance to show you what happens in Latin America, Dr. Todd Shatkin's the one that'll teach you how to do the litigious U.S.-based implants. And Todd was teaching both. He was teaching the conventional yeah. uh, old-style implants right. and really adopting the mini implants in his practice at that time. Um, man, we were both a lot younger men. Yes, you were. No question. And I remember him telling me that he just felt that there were so many times where he didn't need to use the old style conventional. Correct. Correct. And uh, it's it, to, today it's it's unbelievable what I see over there. To sit it, in the clinic yeah. and, and ask yourself what you would want done for you when you're having that knee-to-knee discussion with a patient. And you might have just met them. And they come with that thought process of, I've got these experiences in my past, not all of them favorable in a dental chair. Um and then being able to tell them, hey, listen, I really do have something for you, have uh, an advancement that in every single category is better than what you remember in the past or even a bad experience that you've had in the past. The modern aspect of dentistry is help from pharmacology. It's help from um, the sciences and aeronautics. It's help from dental materials of using the latest, strongest 
bits of materials that hold up over time. I mean, if God gave us two sets of teeth and they're supposed to last 96 years, it doesn't happen, sadly, with the Western diet, uh, the high fructose corn syrup, all the sugar that we eat. Right. So you start that as a teenager, going to the movies and getting a two-pound box of candy and a and a bucket of, of soda that you're going to drink for the next hour and a half, and you've just assaulted your teeth with a two-hour sugar bath while you're watching the movie. <laughs> Do that every week to catch the latest Hollywood film, and you put teeth that have to last a lifetime at a serious disadvantage. Absolutely. So what's great with the implants is they come in and, in my office, and they're your third set of teeth. You had your baby teeth, then you get your adult teeth, and the old way of dentistry was just kind of underserved. It's like, here's a denture, slap this piece of plastic in your mouth, floating around on your gums. Here's a big tube of glue. And you patted the patient on the back and said, good luck. It's probably dentistry's biggest dark side. Mm -hmm. Dentistry's most underserved community is I've failed as a dentist to have you keep your teeth. And all we have now for you is this denture. And it's a miserable experience. It was that way for my grandfather. Yeah. So the right. patients are affected. I mean, even psychologically yeah. about a lot of what you would envision an older person is, is the limits that disease processes have created for them. And if that's something as simple as a disease in my mouth is preventing me from being able to eat and chew and socialize, imagine what that does to your GI system where the food gets absorbed. So now the fuel for your energy is just passing through your system and you're creating it as waste because... Very simply, you aren't able to chew big pieces of food into small pieces of food. Yeah. If you swallow big pieces of food, they pass right through your GI. It's the most acidic place in your body. Mm -hmm. So then you end up with a medical doctor and you've got uh, Nexium, Prilosec, all these medications that treat acid disorders in your stomach. Right. And the real source of the problem is you don't have enough white rocks in your mouth. You don't have enough teeth to chew your food up properly. Yeah. So we can step back one big step and say, well, where you start enjoying Eating, socializing is at a meal, at a dinner table, at a lunch with friends. And we want to give you a service with pretty darn affordable mini implants. I mean, stuff we can finance for patients now is in the $149 a month to fix their lower and give them the biggest problem in the mouth is a loose lower denture. We can do that in three visits and snap a lower denture in, have it fit better than a denture's ever fit before in their life. Um, now you're looking at apples, corn on the cob, steak, an entirely different outlook oh, yeah. on your life. Absolutely. The quality of life just goes straight to the moon. The patients look, act, feel younger. Man, I'm already in that boat at 43. I'm like, what can I do to look, act, and feel younger? <laughs> <laughs> you look pretty young. And they say it all the time. Oh, 50 is the new whatever, 40, 30 is the new 20. Like all this stuff is everybody shifting down decades. <laughs> the only place I see that is with good health, good digestion, Absolutely. good exercise, and the teeth. I mean, you can get contact lenses to change the color of your eyes, but if everyone that meets you looks at one of two things, your teeth or your eyes, you can change them from purple to brown to blue to green, whatever you want with a contact, and 20-20 vision's a necessity. Yeah. You can't drive a car without it. But right. on the other side, you got to eat, and teeth are a necessity. You so they are. a beautiful set of white teeth in the mouth and something you're confident about and something that works for you and lets you choose the entire complement of the menu instead of saying, oh, I'm just going to go for, well, in the South, it's grits. Up here, it might be... Uh, 
uh, oatmeal or something like yeah. that. I mean, blended food would drive me crazy. Oh, I get a smoothie absolutely. because I want one, mm-hmm. not because I have to have one. Mm, 100%. So, something about the texture, the taste buds, and we treat an upper arch in the most affordable way to fix someone that has no teeth with implants. That's going to be an easy one-hour procedure. Six implants, set up the set of teeth that snaps in. Um, they only take them out when they want to, so... They can stay in for days as long as they do a good job cleaning, and that's $200 a month financed. Wow. I mean, that's an investment that that really changes people's lives. I, I see it across the street Boy, at Dr. Shacken's office all the time. It's incredible. You guys have Absolutely that experience. Absolutely incredible. We hand a mirror over to the patients. I just made a website about our experience in our office, and it's tearsofjoydentistry.com. And we're building up all the videos and patients will sign a waiver. And I mean, they just can't not say, I want to share this with the world because what I came in with and had in my mouth, I had no idea. And so few visits and with such affordable price, you could change this 180 degrees and uh, give me this. So um, I'm not trying to, to plug anything unnecessarily, mm-hmm. but the two best things that I do in my practice, and we just want to show patients about it, is uh, two different uh, websites um, and that first one is, is pretty simple. I mean, tearsofjoydentistry.com. But um, the other fun part is you get to spend time with First Lab here in Buffalo and look at the technology behind these materials is you can combine the best of both worlds of implants mm-hmm. and move away from the world of dentures and get permanent teeth made of porcelain. So Dr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd Shatkin calls his a fix-on-six technique. Mm-hmm. I call mine a grade-on-eight because I employ eight implants very commonly. Mm-hmm. So it's a higher number of implants, but then the lab here makes the most beautiful set of permanent ceramic teeth, essentially stronger than the teeth God gave you. And those go in permanently. Uh, they stay in, so your home care is brushing your teeth and water picking. You don't have to floss anymore. Right. And we call that Great on 8, so that's a greatonate.com. There's a website that we put up to, to share with the world about this is right. the new technique. And when Dr. Shacken rolled it out about four years ago in Chicago midwinter, the dentists were the ones yeah, that incredible. proved it was the next big thing because they just swarmed the booth. Yep. We were there for three straight days. You were there. Yeah. The, the meeting was over. They were turning the lights off in the convention center. <laughs> and the dentists were still there. There's still 30 people standing around yeah. in the dark yeah. trying to find out about what this thing was. Yeah. And Dr. Shacken had done a surgery and... I was just man in the booth teaching about the technique, and um, and man, it was a game changer for so many dentists. And then you think about exponentially what that becomes of every dentist that walked out of the four, five, six, however many hundreds of dentists saw us that weekend can treat yeah. the thousands of patients that come in their office and give them this option. All of a sudden, this goes worldwide. It's, it's like a game changer. A virus. Yeah. <laughs> it, it looked like the Apple Store on uh, Christmas Eve. Remember that? Maybe right the before the rollout. We, yeah, right it, before. it was incredible. It was incredible. So let me, let, me, uh, let me change the subject on you for a second, Dr. Gillespie. You um, also, you lecture with Shacken first, and True. you go out on the road, yeah. and um, you try to make it convenient for people that live in all different parts of the country to... To come and learn about mini dental implants. Yeah, you're right. So can you can you tell us where you're going to be uh, the rest of 2018? Oh man, what's we're going on? All over the place. Um, well, we just finished in New Orleans, and that was a great course that happened at Jazz Fest. And um, when you can combine a great camaraderie and great learning, and then go ahead and and catch a great band and show and concerts um, like that, and that particular course was a one day 
course that we did um, in New Orleans, we wanted to set up more will come to use versus having Dennis travel all the way up to maybe Buffalo or the couple other places we travel to. So the next one on our schedule is Denver, Colorado, Denver, Colorado. in the heat of the right. summer. Yep, July 27th, July 27th right? is our date there. And um, man, if you're deep south in, uh, in, in Charleston, South Carolina, and it's 105 degrees in the shade in July and August, then we want, um, we want to have docs come and, uh, and travel with us to, uh, to come to our courses. Yeah, beautiful. That's, uh, I'll tell you, we got, we got a lot of people calling about Denver because it's so conveniently That's located. Right. Uh, the one after that, and we move back in the year just a little bit, is October the 12th. We'll be in Austin, Texas, so that's a good time to get right in the middle of, of uh, all the action of college sports that weekend. Oh, yeah. And Austin's a great city to travel in. And, I mean, amazing thing about me is I'm from that part of the world, and I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in my youth in Oklahoma and Texas. I went to undergrad at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. Um, the city of Austin is just down the road. It's a right. wonderful city. I mean, University of Texas is there. Beautiful Massive. part of the country. And great music scene. I mean, oh, there's yeah. no shortage of enjoyable things to do in Austin. Matthew and, McConaughey? Uh, well, I mean, if that <laughs> doesn't does get any better than that. If that does it for you, then <laughs> you go camp out behind his house <laughs> sure. in Austin and, and you'd be happy. I'm weird, but I'm not that weird. I might go to Fifth Street or whatever the fun action part <laughs> is, right. but that's going to be a one-day, eight-hour course, entirely okay. new material, so nothing you've heard from me before. I kind of take pride in keeping things fresh and mm-hmm. something that uh, the docs will view as a quality education of of top to bottom. Um, I have an agenda built in my mind about what we want to show them, the latest concepts with minis and, and fixed crowns and then mm-hmm. these full art solutions. But um, the nice thing about these outreach courses is we have a lot of ability to go after what their desires are. So the last one of the year, now we're talking about the four, one in Denver, one in Austin, will be in uh, Charlotte. And I think we're working on the dates for that. I think we're, we, we second think week in December. Second week in December. That's right. It's going to be okay. So you're looking at okay. um, uh, Carolina Panthers football on that Sunday, college football going on that Saturday. So Friday, uh, the courses in eight to six. All these are Friday okay, right. full day courses. And how many CEs do you get for coming to the one day? Man, aren't we lined up with eight or more? Maybe I, I, nine. Yeah, I think I think it's eight. I think you get eight. CEs for that. Excellent. That's right for the Excellent. for the eight hour. I guess day. we got to give them a lunch hour. So uh, yeah, we got to let them eat. Got to let you eat. Definitely. So, yeah, our strategy um, is um, all new concepts of mini implants. Certainly, the thing that you guys bring me up here for is how the two old style implants that are wide and have a bunch of pieces and parts and are real big implants that require pretty big surgery. And then our mini implants that used to be really narrow, really small, how the two worlds are sort of getting close to one another. The big implants are getting more narrow and more skinny, and some of our very small implants and the concepts from those implants are moving into a little wider sizes. So yeah, there's still implants made by a mini dental implant company, but they're just coming up in their width for areas that make sense to use them. All that heavy bite pressure and the big molars that do all the heavy chewing in the back of the mouth. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes it's better to use a little bit wider implant. And we're not talking anything of those big old style implants. It's just everything's sort of meeting in the middle and it's graying the definition. So the best diameter implant in my mind for a softer bone situation mm-hmm. And this happens naturally when teeth are gone for a couple of years. The bone hasn't been doing anything. Right. Just sitting there with a space in the mouth or there's no teeth in the mouth. Um, if the bone gets a little weaker, 
then you want to use an implant that's best suited for how the bone presents itself. So that, in my mind, is one of the Shatkin first products. It's called a 3-0 Milo. Yep. What's neat about that diameter, three millimeter implant, is so right on the line of the definition of implants that we used to say it was not a mini if it was three millimeters or wider. It was a old style implant. Well, this is an implant made by a mini dental implant company, and this is Shadkin first and Interlock, um, but it is not a mini implant diameter from the old definition, mm -hmm. which allows us to do some very neat things with this implant um, and basically just beat the old style implant hands down in speed and comfort and affordability because you don't have to do all these wait times. Right. You don't have to do all these six-month healings and what doctor am I going to today? Am I going to the surgeon or am I going to the dentist who's going to do the crown or the tooth part? And right. there's no surprises in that. When we do our fees, the fees are universal all together for everything. And you keep the you keep the patient in your office. One spot, the entire one time. stop. None of this bouncing around. I, yeah. I'd feel like a ping pong with some oh, of the stories yeah. that I hear. Yeah. I mean, I woke up that morning and didn't know where my appointment was. Uh, which office yeah. am I going to today, then that gets kind of confusing. Absolutely. So when we can do it all in one place, place the implant, literally put a temporary tooth on it the same day it goes in, no four-month, six-month wait. So that's all a patient cares about. I want to leave with a tooth. Yeah. They can leave the, with a tooth, even if it's a plastic white temporary that they're going to have in there for three weeks. Well, after that three weeks is up, the second time we see them, we don't need any numbing. Mm -hmm. Anytime a patient comes in and says, I'm at the dentist office and I don't need a shot, woohoo! Like they're all about that. So the plastic yeah. tooth gets removed, simple, easy, no discomfort whatsoever. And the ceramic crown you guys have made for us in the lab mm -hmm. comes back as a perfect fit, perfect shade. A lot of times we need to send a note with them to tell the next dentist if they get their teeth cleaned somewhere else that it's actually not a natural tooth. Right. So that the hygienist knows the right way to clean it. Don't, it's that hard to tell. Don't mess up and treat it like it's just one of God's teeth. This is a, this yeah. is one that's camouflaged. Yeah, it's one of ours, but it looks pretty <laughs> darn good. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Let me ask you this, uh, Doctor Jill. What would you, if you had one piece of advice to sure. give any dentist that's interested in starting to do mini implants? What, sure. what, 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 what would that be, man? I'd say first of all, where have you been? It's amazing yeah. to me. I uh, I have a practice called the Mini Dental Implant Center. Actually, it's the Dental Implant Center because we did both. I've had that for 17 years. That was the name yeah. of the sign on the wall, and no one 17 years ago was sticking their chest out like that and calling any kind of office at the Dental Implant Center. Now I right. drive to a satellite office, and one of the practices is named Dental Implants, Laser Dentistry, and Clear Braces. Like they've only picked three things that they do. Yeah. So everybody's now on board with implants is Absolutely. the bottom line. I've had an associate in my practice who didn't place implants, who uh, decided to start his own shop, and he has dental implants on his sign, and I'm not aware he's ever placed one before. So you would go to that office thinking, oh, this guy's going to do an implant for me. This is going to be wonderful and get referred out. So if it comes to a jewel for the dentist stand part, what would I say is the big jewel is jump on board. Don't get caught sort of behind the, mm -hmm. the wave, if you would. Yes. Catch that wave. It's certainly been brewing for a while. Um, the history is there. The science is there. The FDA's approval is there for many implants. So don't just maybe believe a hype or believe somebody who's wanting to try to keep you out of the surgical game. If you have a passion mm -hmm. for helping patients and you want to do it the best possible way, 
Um, you can ask yourself if the old ways of fixing things with uh, cutting on the neighboring teeth and, and making a bridge is something that you would like or learning a new technique and bringing the mini implants into your uh, treatment options for your patients. Something that's pretty shocking to me is I was just told about um, in Australia and there was a lawsuit brought against an oral surgeon who did not include mini implants as mm -hmm. one of the options for the patients. You don't hear that much. So it's happened overseas, but right. uh, the reality is they're viewed equally by that system of medical care. Mm -hmm. um, and if that does end up happening in the U.S., that equal playing field just means every dentist that isn't currently placing implants should look into uh, the ease of use and the applications of particularly minis because it's a minimally invasive surgery. You're not having to be a periodontal specialist in gums and you're not having to be an oral surgeon to place these implants. A lot of times you don't even need a scalpel blade. You don't have to do sutures if you don't like that aspect. You just have to get a little training and understanding essentially the third hard tissue of the body. Dentists have only really been trained in two. The two other hard tissues is enamel, which is the outside layer of your tooth, and dentin, which is the inside layer of your tooth, and dentists are masters of those, those two, two hard yeah. tissues. The only thing they missed in four years of dental school is the third hard tissue. That's the bone. It holds us up. It's the scaffolding of the body, and mm -hmm. that's where the implants have to go when the tooth is lost. So when there's no tooth, those two hard tissues inside the tooth are gone. The enamel and the dentin have been extracted, removed, tooth's broken, whatever other things have popped up in the patient's past. Dentists need to learn about and come to courses here at Shadkin first to, one, figure out the bone. And once they figure it out the bone, know how to use these implants to make patients' lives better. Right, right. That's awesome. And where, where is the next course? Where, where would you recommend a, a new dentist coming to the next course? Oh, so you'd certainly get a ton of education and really be brought right up to speed if you came to any of my one days. So if we're traveling anywhere near you in Denver, Austin, or Charlotte, all big cities, big airports, those are wonderful spots to come visit with me and spend um, eight hours just kind of probably drinking out of a fire hose, in all honesty, if they're they're new to the game. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Shacking First up here in Buffalo gives uh, the beginning courses. Um, those are almost monthly at this point. And I know um, there is some other travel schedule coming on. So um, we're looking at August 3rd and 4th. We'll be down in Orlando. Yep, for we, our, we go down to Disney for at the our, Boardwalk. That's right, uh, our hotel. center's it's meeting. Beautiful. Great town to be in Orlando. They Bring come, your family down. We, 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 can, we go right. to the uh, Epcot Center. The camaraderie. The ice cream social for front Great row seat time. for the fireworks display. I mean, the dentist, really nice. either husband or wife can take the courses in the day, and the spouse, husband or wife can uh, take the kids and go have fun and and all the enjoyment of the park. And, uh, man, at that point, you got pools in the evenings at the hotels. Man, and I think one thing you would prove to uh, any new dentist is, as far as continuing education is concerned and what they might have as their expectations of experiences in the past of maybe going somewhere, sitting in a room for eight hours and leaving. It's completely the opposite of that at a Shatkin first course because you walk in the front door I'm not going to say you get a chest bump right away, but you're going to get a good, <laughs> healthy handshake, kind of maybe a little half hug. Welcome to the course. We're glad to have you. And then the camaraderie goes from mealtime breakaways at lunch, breakaways with all the docs sitting around you. If you don't have five, six best friends at the end of a two- or three-day courses from the guys around you and people that use happenstance to sit with at a lunch or after-hours event, then um, 
then I would be shocked because the camaraderie and the family you feel out of the sea is what we hear from all new attendees. Yes. Like, man, I, I have not been to a CE and had an experience like this ever, and I feel so welcome here, and I feel that sort of family vibe. Instead of a competitive, there's not anything for you. This is, we just want to share with you what you can do to help your patients, and um, and that's the biggest difference I know with Shaq and First. So certainly, if you wanted to see the very next time on your calendar, grab the family, grab the kids. It's going to be um, here in August, and they're going to Orlando, and that's um, August 3rd and 4th. Yep. Right there on property in Disney, something for everybody. Really nice. Dennis can write that off on the yep. good old business plan on the schedule, and uh, the family gets a great vacation. And who's not a hero for doing that? Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and you can sign up for any course at uh, checkinfirst.com. Beautiful. We'll just let all the listeners know that. That's convenient. Yeah. So we've reached our portion of the program where uh, we, we like to refer to it as mini fits. Oh, here we go. Yeah, you got it, brother. And uh, this is uh, this is the segment where uh, I'm going to allow the guest to speak for two to three minutes about what's bothering him in the mini dental implant world. So, Dr. Gillespie, without further ado, oh, what's man. mini fits in you? The mini fit that I'd have to talk about is going to the dark side. I'll tell you what. Um, bringing mini implants to Charleston, South Carolina, and sadly, having this innovation and having this blessing and this gift for uh, patients, and then the negative feedback and the negative press that comes out of, um, sadly, other educated clinicians that haven't looked into the procedure, speaking about the procedure um, without doing their due diligence maybe even disparaging a little bit, might even be threatened by it. Um, in my practice, we do both styles of implants, the old two-piece style that's been around for a long time and certainly might be considered uh, the innovation in, in the 80s. But the newer designs have come out and flipped the script, changed the game entirely. So I think it's threatening to the established clinicians, and I wish even if they just come for a course, even if they just come for a visit, maybe look at things with a little more open-minded. Um, the implants are made of the same material. They're both made of titanium. If they're loaded appropriately, if they're engineered the right way, if the bite is established and balanced the right way, there's nothing magic about the old ones versus these new innovative ones that are made of the same, maybe even a better material. So my thought process on on the world of dentistry is always continue to educate, to learn about the new things. It's very easy on our um, little islands to enjoy the flavor of our own coconuts. But you got to look at that island that's across a little strait and take a swim. You got to dive in and go see what everybody else is doing. I mean, CE helps because we're required to take X amount of CE, but right. I do the same thing. I focus on things that I'm interested in my practice to take a CE on. I challenge maybe folks out there that, that don't know enough about implants um, and maybe have heard things about implant minis particularly um, to find out for themselves, not just take uh, the porridge or the medicine per se and uh, do some of their own homework. Behind the scenes, there's always an agenda. There's always kind of being critical of the people that you listen to as far as there's a specialist that says only this way works. You're already limited in your pigeonhole because maybe that specialist wants to do the surgery and doesn't want the general dentist to do the surgery and only wants the general dentist to do the second half. 
or the additional part. Right. right. Well, the nice thing about innovation and implants is surgeries have gotten uh, more minimally invasive, simple for the clinicians, or at least more simple. And, um, and then you get to put the patient first. It's really the bottom line here is be patient centric and be patient focused. So if I had to have a fits about anything, my fits would just simply be uh, in the industry and in, in dentistry at large, I would hope to be open-minded and keep that fresh, open-minded look at anything that's new that comes out, anything that's a great innovation, and kind of balance it with what's out there existing and then the concepts of, of the new technique. And that's happened for me in my practice with dental lasers. Uh, we do blood draws, and there used to be PRP, which was touted as a great healing mechanism of the body. Now the innovations come along, and now this LPRF which is a better unit, a better machine, a better centrifuge, the same product. You don't change the blood that you get from the patient when you need to do a blood draw. But And, and as we speak, there's a LPRF course going on right is, behind right us. Right over so. our shoulder. So there's a bunch of brilliant, open-minded clinicians in that course that mm -hmm. are taking a Saturday of their time. It's a beautiful June Saturday. And they're going to go in there and help their patients be very genuine and learning the best of the best. So that would be my... Two-minute fits of, uh, of being an, uh, an innovator in dentistry, maybe bucking the system a little bit and seeing the system buck back. And there's one question I want to ask you before we, uh, before we hang up. Since this is our first uh, podcast, I think nice. I'm running a little long, which was expected. But I wanted to ask you, when you're not doing dentistry, Joe, what are you up to? What do you, oh, what do, you do? What, what, what are your hobbies? What do you like doing outside of dentistry? It's all water all the time. All water all the time, if huh? If it's a calm, non-windy day, we've got the Atlantic Ocean right off the coast. So um, it might be paddle boarding if the waves are up. It might be kite surfing if the wind is up. If it's a super calm day and I've got a five and a, and a well, my five-year-old daughter, seven-year-old, and a three-year-old son, and they're looking at me saying, it's boat day, Dad. We're going to go fire up the boat. I'm going to do that in about four hours when I get home in Charleston. So it's fun being here on Saturday with you, Fitz. Yeah. I'm about to go <laughs> see the other half of my Saturday. Go fire up the boat and go out and play around on the beach. So that's a neat thing. And anybody wants to come down, Charleston's not a shabby city to come visit. Oh, I'd like beautiful. to extend an invite. I mean, the office number for me is 843-388-9690. Call my staff. Say we're coming to Charleston. We'll make sure and set up an action-packed day of uh, of surgeries and neat implant care in the office. And I know the docs that have been a visit in the past like two things. They like to see us do our consults. Yep. So they can find out how they should be communicating with their yeah, patients. Absolutely. And they like to see the application of the surgery and process. So right. they can take those little pearls back to their office. And they'll bring staff. So bring a staff member, get one or two hotel sure. rooms. We'll tell you where to stay. We'll, the thing they say about Charleston, if you're hungry or you're bored, it's not our fault because it's a foodie town and we'll feed you three ways from Sunday all the Atlantic catch that you could ever have. And the action-packed daytime surgery with me and nighttime nightlife and Charleston, South Carolina, a very vibrant, fun city with music and, and social hours and tons of fun stuff to do. Absolutely. And you, you mini dental implant centers of America, you, you guys right. are all so willing to help. I mean, it's, help. it's amazing. You, you, we stick together. We got a, we got a nice knit and we got a good family going on here. I don't know where I fall on that. Am I the, am I the second mini dental implant I, I, center if Todd's was the first? I, I believe you are. We started I, the concept together and it's amazing to me to look at how it's grown. How many mini dental implant centers? We're, we're up to 75 now. So throughout are, the country. So that's got to be the largest single implant based group 
span through the country. I mean, you see other companies have national national ad campaigns with fewer offices. So that means we're the biggest. And there's a there's a nice little feather in our cap there to say <laughs> we have the largest group of doctors to help you. And if it works in Charleston and it works in Buffalo and it works in 73 other locations around the country, I would challenge anybody in any area that they could think of from Detroit to Key West that this would work for you in your area. Absolutely. I couldn't agree anymore. But I'll tell you what. I guess our time's up, but I wanted to oh. I wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being my first guest on Tom, 40 Minutes with Fitz. Oh, man, it's probably 47, but we'll take it. <laughs> well, we, we, we tried, right? That's all right, we tried. But, uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do this once a month, and um, our, our next guest, I'm going to keep you on the, I'm going to keep you hanging. Oh, cliffhanger. So, Joe, Joe Gillespie was our first from uh, South Carolina and uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, stay tuned for uh, our next show. We look, forward to, we look forward to you listening. It's, you, it's, it's some great, great stuff we have going in. Dr. Joe, you're the man. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Appreciate you too, buddy.